The Christmas story begins long before Jesus' birth. It begins with the prophecies of a coming Messiah in the Old Testament. Prophecies given hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and yet all of them fulfilled in him. For example, Isaiah 7.14 predicts that he would be born of a virgin. I mean, that's what it says in that verse. Listen to it. It says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Micah 5.2 tells us that he would be born in the village of Bethlehem. It says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among the people of Judah. And yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are of distant past, will come from you on, on my behalf. However, this morning, I want to focus on another prophecy of the Messiah. It is found over in Isaiah 9, verse number 6, verses 6 and 7. These verses foretell that the Messiah was going to come and set up a kingdom with him as king. Just listen to what it says. It says, for you, to you a child is born, to you a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government... And peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Before we consider the, these verses, let, let's just take a moment and pray. Dear Father, I pray that you will just be with us today as we hear your word. God, open our hearts and our minds to the truths that you have for us today. And God, I pray that you will just work in our lives. God, I pray that you will work in me as I bring forth this message, but God, work in all of us. I pray for those who, again, are believers today, and for those who may not yet believe believers. God, may we be open to your truth, is our prayer. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen. When Jesus came into the world, the people of Israel had been looking for the Messiah for centuries. They thought the Messiah would come and be an earthly king like King David, and that he would reestablish their nation as a world power. And so as Jesus began to fulfill more and more these prophecies about the Messiah, during his life and ministry, that the people were ready to make him king. John six fifteen tells us, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The people of Israel were tired of being under the control of the evil Roman Empire. And they thought that Jesus, as God's promised Messiah, would just take control and free them from that tyranny. But Jesus had not come to be an earthly king. And he had not come to set up an earthly kingdom. 
Instead, Jesus came to set up a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God. A kingdom where God is supreme and Jesus would be king. I mean, it says the government would be on his shoulders. It would be, as Isaiah describes it, a kingdom of unending peace and justice and righteousness. I don't know about you, but that kind of a kingdom sounds appealing with all that's going on in our nation today. I mean, just think about it. A kingdom of unending peace and justice and righteousness. Now, here's what I want you to realize today. We as disciples of Jesus are living in God's spiritual kingdom. We we may be citizens of the United States of America. However, spiritually, we are citizens of the kingdom of God, a kingdom again where God is supreme and Jesus is king. The Apostle Paul taught about that spiritual kingdom in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who's purchased our freedom and forgiven and forgave our sins. Before we become Christians, we live spiritually in a kingdom of sin and darkness. But when we put our faith in Jesus and His sacrifice, we are rescued out of that evil kingdom and transferred into Jesus' kingdom of freedom and forgiveness. Transferred from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from guilt to forgiveness, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Which means we live physically on the earth in America, under the control of the United States government and its laws. But we live spiritually in the kingdom of God under the control of Jesus and his leadership. In a representative democracy like America, we get to elect officials who create and vote on laws and policies that will govern us and our lives. However, that's not true when it comes to a kingdom. In a kingdom, the people are ruled by the king. He has ultimately authority to govern the people. I mean, he sets the laws and rules that will govern them and their lives. Now, this can be either good or bad, depending upon the character of the king. In our Bible reading this week in 1 Samuel, we've been reading about the first king of Israel. King Saul, who showed himself to be an evil king, misleading the people away from God. Next month, we will read about King David, who was the exact opposite of Saul. David was a good king who led the people towards God. Now, David was far from a perfect man, and yet he is known in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. In the end, what David wanted was what God wanted for his people, his kingdom. But our focus this morning is not upon King David, but upon King Jesus, and what kind of a king he is. I mean, if Jesus has the ultimate authority over us as Christians, I mean, if he sets the rules and laws that govern us and our Christian lives, what kind of a king 
is King Jesus. The prophet Isaiah answers that question for us in giving four names that describe him as king. Wonderful Consular, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Each name tells us something about the character of King Jesus. We, we begin with the first name, Wonderful Consular, which tells us that Jesus is a king who leads us in God's way. I mean, many of us have been to a counselor who's helped us through a dark time in our lives or maybe in our relationships. Counselors listen to us and our struggles. They help us identify our issues and then help us develop solutions to our problems. I, I know that I was really helped by the counseling that I received many years ago. And I've also been helped by the counsel that, that Christian mentors and friends have given me over the years. But these counselors cannot compare with the wonderful counselor, King Jesus. It is interesting that the Hebrew word translated wonderful here is never used in the scripture to describe what a person is or what a person does. It is only used to describe who God is and what He has done. And so it's describing here the greatness of Jesus, who He is and what He has done. That is what should fill our hearts with wonder and amazement. No one, no one is like Him except God Himself. And his wisdom far exceeds anything we know or anyone else knows. The Apostle Paul described Jesus and his wisdom this way. In Colossians 2.3, just simple verse. In him lies hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He knows it all. He understands it all. He has seen it all. He has all the answers. And he will lead us in God's way. Remember Jesus. He's been here. He has lived among us. He has experienced our temptations. He has known our struggles. He has undergone our suffering. And through it all, he lived life God's way. Think back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve listened to the counsel of a serpent. <laughs> and that led to sin. And that sin separated them and separates us from God. But our wonderful counselor will lead us into a relationship with God. That is, if we heed his counsel. You can have the best counselor in the world, but if you don't listen to their counsel and follow their advice, it's a waste. <laughs> We cannot waste the wonderful counselor of King Jesus. We cannot waste his counsel by failing to seek his wisdom, or by failing to listen to his guidance, or by failing to follow his advice. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He is king. He is a king who leads us in God's way, the best way. The second name is Mighty God which tells us that Jesus is a king who defends us against Satan. Whether we realize it or not, we as Christians are in a spiritual battle 
with Satan and all of his evil forces. This wicked army wants to do everything that it can to destroy us in our faith. Paul describes this spiritual battle in Ephesians 6 verse 12. He says, For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against the wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Now, people, I, I know this sounds a bit like a fantasy, but this isn't a fantasy. It's real. The devil is real. His evil army is real. His temptations are real. And his power, though limited, is real. And we cannot, we cannot fight these spiritual forces by ourselves and win. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 6.10, just, just a couple verses earlier, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. For Jesus, our King, is a mighty and powerful God. And He demonstrated His power and might again and again throughout His ministry. I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus has the power over nature. He calmed the stormy sea. He changed water into wine. He multiplied the loaves and the fish. He has power over illness, healing the sick and the lame, restoring sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, cleansing the leper. He has power over death, raising Jairus' daughter, a widow's son, and Lazarus all from the dead. And he has power over Satan and his demonic forces. He overcame their temptation. He cast out demons and he defeated Satan, winning victory over sin and death. It would be foolish then for us to go out and fight against Satan's army alone, especially when we have a king with that kind of power who will fight for us and defend us. And yet many times that's exactly what we do. I mean, sometimes we live our lives totally unaware, totally unaware of the spiritual battle that we're fighting with Satan. And sometimes we think that we can live our Christian lives on our own, in our own strength and with our own wisdom. No wonder we aren't as effective as we would like sometimes, or maybe as God would like. See, so we're not connecting to our power source, Jesus, because, see, He is a mighty God. He is a king who defends us against Satan, a king with infinite power. The third name is Eternal Father, which tells us that Jesus is a king who loves us unconditionally. Please understand that the prophet Isaiah isn't telling us that the Messiah would be God the Father, but that he is saying that the Messiah would be like a father to his people, to his children. Now, now when we hear the word father, we naturally think of our own fathers. And some of us may have had just wonderful fathers, and, and some of us may have had not so wonderful fathers. And yet the truth is, all of us had less than perfect fathers. I mean, I'll admit it, I, I was less than a perfect father. All you have to do is ask my kids. However, Jesus, like his father, is a perfect dad for his children. He is as, 
Isaiah describes him an eternal father. He is always with us from now and throughout eternity. He is never too busy, never preoccupied, never disinterested. Remember during Jesus' ministry's parents would often bring children to him that he might place their hands on them and bless them. And one time when that happened, Jesus' disciples rebuked these parents for bringing their kids. I mean, Jesus didn't have time to waste on these kids. We read Jesus' reaction, Mark 10, verses 14 and 15. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and told them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. Those children that day went away knowing that they were loved by Jesus. And all that today... Oh, that today, as we go away, as we listen to this message today, that we would know that Jesus loves us and that he loves us unconditionally. There is nothing that we can do that can make Jesus love us anymore. And on the other hand, there is nothing that we can do that will make Jesus love us any less. He just loves us. And he has proven how much he loved us. Jesus himself said it this way in John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Paul put it this way in Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, think about that, people. Jesus died for us and our salvation. He loves us that much. I mean, we sing about it in this song, Amazing Love. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me. Because you died and rose again. Amazing love. How can it be? That you, my king, would die for me. Amazing love. I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor you. People, how can we not love Jesus and honor Him when He loves us so, so, so much? He is truly an eternal Father. He is a King who loves us unconditionally, and He has shown it. The last name is Prince of Peace, which tells us that Jesus is a King who brings us peace with God. Remember, as part of the angel, angel's announcement, the night of Jesus' birth, they told the shepherds of peace on earth. I mean, that's why Jesus came. He came to bring peace, especially peace between us and God. See, one of the sad truths in the Bible is that sin separates us from God. I mean, the wrongs that we do in our lives keep us from having a relationship with God. 
However, Jesus came away to take away our sins, to forgive us our wrongs by dying for those sins on the cross. And when we put our faith in Jesus and His sacrifice, He graciously takes away our sin. That makes it possible for us to have a personal relationship with God. That, that brings us, again, peace with God. I mean, Paul says it this way in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Since we have been made right with God by our faith, we have peace with God. This happened through our Lord Jesus, who has brought us into the blessing of God's grace that we now enjoy. I mean, think about it this morning. If you're a Christian today, you are at peace with God. There is no sin blocking your relationship with Him. It's all been forgiven. And again, that is made possible through God's grace, Jesus' sacrifice, and our faith in Jesus. If, if you were going to describe the days in which we live today, I, I don't think that you would describe them as peaceful. I mean, these are troubled times in many different ways. But, but the one thing that should sustain us in these distressing times is our relationship with the God of the universe. When our world is falling apart, the one thing that should hold it all together is our relationship with God. Let, let me give you an equation to remember. Peace with God equals the peace of God. In other words, when we have peace with God, we can experience the peace of God. And Paul describes that peace, Philippians 4, verse number 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what the life application says about that verse. I think it says better than I could. It says God's peace is different from the world's peace. True peace is not found in positive thinking in the absence of conflict, are in a good feeling. It comes from knowing that God is in control. Our citizenship in Christ's kingdom is sure. Our destiny is set, and we can have victory over sin. Let God's peace guard your heart against anxiety. I mean, let's face it. On a physical level, we will never know true peace. On a physical level, we will never know true peace. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us, in this world we will know tribulation. But on a spiritual level, where again we also live, we can know true peace. Remember, Isaiah told us that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of unending peace and justice and righteousness. And Jesus and his sacrifice have made all of that possible. He is the Prince of Peace. He is a king who brings us peace with God as well as the peace of God. That, that brings us to our practical application. What are we going to do as a result of this morning's message? Let me, let me suggest three action steps today. Number one. Recognize that as a Christian, you are living spiritually in the kingdom of God where He is supreme, where God is supreme, and Jesus is King. 
Do y'all do get that? I mean, we may be here <laughs> on the earth, but we're also living spiritually in, in God's kingdom. Number two, realize that Jesus is a great king. We, we learn that in, in the words, in, in his description. He is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. And so last of all, and this is really most important, give Jesus the honor due him as your king. I mean, if he's king, and he's a great king, and he's a loving king, and he's a gracious king, and he's a powerful king, then give him the honor due him. Follow him, trust him, love him, and be blessed by him. You know, in that song, Amazing Love, it ends with the words, in all I do, I honor you. And, and that's really uh, my, my challenge, my closing challenge to you today. To just honor him in all that you do. And I'll strive to honor him in all that I do. Let, let me pray for you as we close this morning. Dear Father, I, I thank you so very much for your son, Jesus. I thank you for him coming into our world. And God, I thank you so very much for him bringing the kingdom to us. Making it possible for us while we live on the earth to also live and be a part of your kingdom. He is a great king. And God, I pray that we will honor him in, in the lives that we live as Christians. And God, I also pray for those who may not be believers yet this morning. God, I pray that again you will work in their lives. That you will draw them to your son. That you will bring them uh, to your kingdom. That they might know peace with you. And peace within themselves. Because of you. And so God, work in, in these folks' lives, each of us. And God, help us to honor you in all that we do. And we pray this in the name of King Jesus. Amen. We, we thank you so very much for listening this morning. Uh, again, we've started this new series uh, on the name above all names. We're going to be looking at different names of Jesus using, used in the Christmas story. And so we invite you to... Uh, uh, come back and listen next week. But we also invite you, if there's some way that we can minister to you, please don't hesitate to give us a call. Uh, you can call us on our church phone, uh, again, 217-379-4443, or you can contact us uh, through our website, paxtonchurchofchrist.org. And, and again, we'll, we'll get back to you as quickly uh, as possible. We hope you have a great week ahead. I, I know... Uh, that this virus is, is spreading among us, and yet I, I do pray uh, God's protection and God's blessing upon each of you in the week ahead. We'll, we'll see you next Sunday.